Hey guys, today's show is brought to you by a brand new documentary streaming on Amazon, iTunes, and at neargeniusfilms.com. And it's called Navy SEAL, Target of Opportunity. It's a really intriguing documentary about two Navy SEALs who end up being the last two people to see this woman alive after partying at a bar. And it was created by a former Navy chief who worked with Navy SEALs for most of his career. And he's since turned into an anarcho-capitalist documentary filmmaker. It's a really interesting story. It tells a lot about our judicial system and our military-industrial complex. I think you guys are going to like it, so go to neargeniusfilms.com or stream it on Amazon or iTunes. It's called Navy SEALs Target of Opportunity. Okay, let's get the show started. Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceilings does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. This is the Peddling Fiction Podcast, and I am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny the Gentile Profita. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. Thank you so very much for tuning in once again. As our numbers continue to grow, it always brings a smile to my face. As I broadcast once again here in the Windy City, deep behind enemy lines, not a whole lot to uh, report on, on the personal front. Just been business as usual all week. Uh, I've been very busy. Been doing a lot with the the show and a lot with some other things, but we got the private Facebook group up and running, and we're we're seeing some pretty good action in there. So if you if you haven't become a member yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. You can get in on the ground floor here. You just got to find us on Facebook, answer a couple questions correctly, and we'll let you in. And we're we're getting some pretty good discussions in there. It's been a lot of fun so far. I'm still not convinced that a hot dog is not a sandwich. Maybe some uh, some of you out there who have not joined the group yet can convince me, can make a convincing argument as to why a hot dog is not a sandwich. I'm really struggling with this. I would love for it to not be a sandwich just because it just doesn't feel right. But I don't know. I'm finding a lot of issues with some of the arguments that are being put forth. Like, well, you know, a sandwich has two separate pieces of bread. If that's the case, then... Italian beef is not a sandwich. Philly cheesesteak is not a sandwich. Nothing you get at Jimmy John's or Subway is a sandwich, and uh, I, I, that's not right to me. So I, I don't know. Get in the private Facebook group. It's Peddling Fiction, uh, I don't know, Facebook page or something. I'm not even sure how to find it. That's how retarded I am. But a lot of people have managed to find it, so it can't be that hard. Get in there, and uh, we can we can have some fun with that. But other than that, not a whole lot to report. Uh, on that, on uh, the, on the personal front, just been a it's been a very eventful news week. 
as soon as I got done with Tuesday's episode, it seemed like there were a couple other big stories out there. And I have been playing catch up since being out in Florida for a few days. You know, I, I kind of unplug when I go on vacation. I don't read the news or anything like that. So um, we, we had the whole uh, Bubba, was it Bubba Watson? It's this clown's name. Bubba Wallace. We had the whole Bubba Wallace noose story, which uh, I still can't believe people fell for, but I, I have some thoughts on that. We've got some some pretty big economic numbers coming out this week, and it looks like uh, my last episode was fairly prescient in terms of what the market's going to be doing. We had the the markets are they're they're still open right now, but it looks like they're going to be down across the board today, and they were down the day before and the day uh, before that. So they, they've been down pretty much since I told you that they were about to roll over. I hate to say I told you so, but we'll see. Maybe this is just a temporary dip. You know, it's too early to take a victory lap on that. But the the biggest thing that's driving these these markets lower is all of these stories coming out of a second wave. Here it comes. The coronavirus is back with a vengeance. We're getting more cases than ever. Record-breaking cases every day in Florida and Texas. And now Texas is, is shutting down their bars again. They're, they're throttling back on the reopening. We're going to get into all of that today. And I don't have a lot of banter today. I, uh, some people think I bantered a little too much on the last episode. So uh, uh, I'll try to even it out by by uh, keeping my, my personal banter to myself. I don't have much going on this weekend. I am tempted to go down to Mexico just like for the rest of the year. I, I don't know what I'm still doing here, but I think the chances of that happening are pretty slim. So we can just dive right into this. I want to start with the whole uh, news story, the fake news story, if you will, because there's just, it's so incredible to me how differently people's realities are uh, we have like half the country that thinks america is just laden with white supremacists hell-bent on on lynching black people they go around hunting black people every day oh, their their entire day is consumed every waking hour with just uh, a obsession over ridding the country of black people and the, and this is all we think about and this is all they want to do um and then we have another you know 40 50 percent of the country that that looks around and like yeah you know i don't see it uh, i i don't it, america's not th that racist of a country everything is is getting blown out of proportion and that's kind of why you always have to make up these stories we had the whole jesse smollett thing last year last february which um, I don't think I was actually podcasting at the time, but I was one of the few people that just knew on its face. I mean, I was here in Chicago. The idea that we had a bunch of Trump supporters running around at like three o'clock in the morning when it was fucking 20 degrees below zero with a wind chill of like minus 50 <laughs> attacking gay black people is just the most insane story of all time. I knew right away that it was bullshit. But just any any story involving a noose, feel free to assume that it's not true. That there was, at the very least, some sort of misunderstanding, as there appears to be in this Bubba Wallace case. Because, listen, 
um, all of you people that think that half of America is a, are white supremacists that are going around, uh, they want to lynch everybody. It, it's just not true. You guys are delusional. Okay, your entire worldview is wrong. Nobody is thinking about nooses or lynchings anymore. Okay, get into the 21st century. That those days are over. Nobody does that anymore. Okay, and it, it's really amazing to me at people's denial when their entire belief system turns out to be false. And I think that's what we're seeing here, why everything is blown out of proportion. The smallest little issue becomes this, oh my God, racism is run amok and this is like the most racist, despicable country on the face of the earth. It's because people's belief system that they've ensconced themselves in, their religion, if you will, they're being smacked in the face with the fact that, oh, maybe this isn't really true. And so I got to I got to double down on everything. And uh you know I can't deal with the reality of everything. So I have to create my own reality, a reality of denial. And so they go into hyperdrive and hypersensitivity. We saw this with the Obama presidency. You know that that didn't solve anything race relation wise, did it? Race relations got worse in fact because all of a sudden Everyone whose entire identity is wrapped up in this virtue signaling about how they aren't racist, but everyone else is, and look how superior I am to all of these racist, evil, white supremacists out there, and America is this, you know, it's so racist that a a black man can't become president. Well, that all came crashing down. (laughs) Did they just just pack up their bags and and be like, well, okay, Uh, I I guess guess my whole worldview was wrong. No, no, absolutely not. Of course not. I, I, was, I was thinking at the time, I was like, because a lot of people were going around saying, oh, well, this is a, a great step forward in America, and this is going to do wonders to you know, heal race relations throughout the country. And I remember thinking to myself, no, no, it's not, because now people are, are going to have to justify their entire worldview rather than adjust it to the the changing circumstances. When you're presented with new evidence to the contrary, uh, nobody seems to be willing to uh, adjust their reality to that. So if your entire existence is wrapped up in uh, America being a racist country, and that's every waking moment of your life, you're obsessing over that, and you're looking for any indication to validate your worldview and then we elect a a black president twice this racist country uh what are you left with once your uh whole worldview comes crashing down just a bunch of pathetic people with nothing else going for them obsessed with being victims this obsession with victimhood as if it's to be admired to be a pathetic victim all the time, is something I really don't understand. And first of all, anybody who's actually a victim doesn't really want to be looked at that way. In my, um, in my experience, they certainly don't want it to consume their entire identity when they are truly a victim of 
real, tra- true tragedy or, or tough circumstances. Most of these people who are real victims go to great lengths to not think of themselves as victims all the time. It's not healthy to do that. I mean, look how disturbed a lot of these people are claiming victimhood status all the time and the reasons why they're claiming it. I mean, microaggressions and crap like that. None of you guys are victims. I'm sorry. You live in America in 2020. I mean, yeah, 2020 has been a shit year. But other than the, the last six months, even if you are dirt poor living in America, you're living a million times better than any other human being that has ever walked the face of the earth. All of you idiots that are tearing down statues, throwing temper tantrums, have no fucking idea what life used to be like. You have no concept of history, which is why you're tearing down uh, statues of abolitionists, you idiots. You've got the internet, you've got Wi-Fi, supercomputers in your pocket, running water, indoor plumbing, electricity, jumbo jets that can fly you anywhere in the world for like a few hundred dollars. You've got cars, even just cars for Christ's sake. Do you guys realize that until like uh, 120 years ago or whatever, most people lived their entire lives within like a 50-mile radius? They never got outside that, something like that. It might have even been a smaller radius than that. I can't remember the exact number. But now you've got people traveling more than 50 miles just to go to work every day. Like it's nothing. Imagine if all you had was a horse to get around. How fucking miserable that would be. First of all, you'd have to feed the horse and house it all the time. There's no trunk space. You can't carry hardly anything unless you can fit it in the saddle. There's no cup holder for your fucking double shot caramel macchiato with skim milk from Starbucks. You're not protected from the elements. So if it rains, you're getting wet. If it's snowing, you're freezing your ass off. You don't have air conditioning. You're not protected from bugs or from animals or bears or anything like that. And then on top of that, you can only go like 15 miles an hour or however fast the horse goes. And you can't go max speed all the time. Your horse will get exhausted and die. So it gets tired after 10 miles and then you have to stop and rest for a few hours. Maybe you have to camp out overnight. All you spoiled brats out there claiming this victimhood status... You take all this shit for granted. You hop in your Subaru. You connect your supercomputer to the Wi-Fi and crank up your Spotify. You head off to somewhere, anywhere in the country you want to go, and you're there in a matter of hours. You have the entire world at your fingertips. It is easier than ever to accomplish anything. Do whatever you want to do. Go wherever you want to go. Go anywhere. Do anything. We have the best food in the world. Incredible food. I mean, people used to just eat to survive. Be eating bugs. Be eating like roadkill and shit like that. Squirrel. Now we make a production out of it. We have the best entertainment. We, have all, we all enjoy more luxury and a higher standard of living than anyone that's walked the face of the earth ever. And yes, even black people. Even black people in America enjoy that. Yeah, okay, so the the rich white guy has a Bentley and you don't. So what? 
so what? Chances are you've still got a car that runs. It gets you from A to B, does the exact same thing his Bentley does, just not as in, in as much style or luxury. O- okay, you want a Bentley? Go out and earn one. Be a person worthy of driving a Bentley. Whiny victim posers don't get Bentleys in life. You, you being a whiny little bitch does not earn you a Bentley. You know who gets Bentleys? Winners get Bentleys. And winners aren't whiny little bitches. You live in America in 2020. Congratulations. You're already in the top 1% of the world, regardless of your income. That's the reality of all of this. And if you're not happy with your circumstances, if you haven't accomplished what you want in life, I've got news for you. It's not because of systemic racism or microaggressions or the patriarchy. Look in the mirror. It's your fault. It's your fault. You see, we're all self-made men. It's just that only the successful ones want to admit it. You've been too busy pretending to be a victim, crying over spilled milk, obsessing over the tiniest slight. Any perceived injustice or insult is the end of the world. Oh, when a, when a white woman walks by me, she clutches her purse. Or they, they cross the street or they lock their car when they saw me approaching. He asked me where I was from. or He, liked my, he said he liked my hair and asked if he could touch it. <laughs> These are the things that, that people are complaining about today. Or he didn't use my preferred pronoun. He said uh, he instead of Z or whatever retarded pronoun you're coming up with. What? What? These are your problems? These are your biggest problems, really? That's it? I mean, who cares? Who cares if if they clutch their purse when they walk by you? It's their loss. Get over it. Fuck them. I mean, this is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. And I'm so sick of everyone complaining about practically nothing. I mean, this is how good we have it here in America, in a first world country. We have to invent problems and obsess over something that a hundred years ago, somebody wouldn't have given two seconds of thought to. I know, I know, this is just my privilege talking. But I mean, let's say that it actually was a noose hanging in in Bubba's garage. Okay, so what? Get over it. Get over it. It's a piece of rope. And yes, would that be a really mean thing to do to somebody? Maybe even an evil thing to do? Sure. Absolutely. I don't condone it in the least. But nobody is lynching anybody. Okay? Nobody is going to lynch anybody. Let alone a professional NASCAR driver. Don't let this narrative poison your mind. And that's what they're doing. They're stealing your mind. They're poisoning it. Because it's just not true. And you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. I think it was either uh, Michael Malice or, or Dave Smith. It, it was on their like combined podcast. Uh, I was listening to it the other day. They made this point. It's like, okay, well, even if that story was true, right? We've gone from a country that was actually lynching black people to just hanging a symbolic piece of rope up in, you know, in their garage. So, I mean, either way, you have to admit, even that, is a vast improvement, right? That's, so, that's certainly a lot better than actually lynching people. But except that nobody's even doing that. Nobody is hanging these ropes up. All of these news stories turn out to be bullshit. 
That's why Jesse Smollett had to make it up and write himself a fucking bullshit letter and make his own noose. Now, that's not what happened here with Bubba. It was just a misunderstanding. There is a, a, a rope that they used to pull down the garage. And they used a, a knot that, yeah, I don't know if it looked like a It was kind of hard to tell from the pictures whether it was a noose or it looked like a noose. But it, was, it had been there for like over six months, seven, eight months, something like it goes back to late 2019 at a minimum. I'm sorry. I mean, is it possible that in a country of 330 million people or whatever, somebody might hang a noose somewhere? Yeah, sure. It's possible, but it's not very likely. It just isn't. This is not the reality. I don't know what to tell you. If you didn't know that this story was complete bullshit from the start or that there was something really wrong here, you have mental problems. You need to reevaluate things. Your reality does not jive with actual reality. You live in a fantasy world, a fantasy world of racism. And I'm sorry that you've wrapped your whole identity in race and racism and you know gender and sexuality and that this is what you obsess over and you've done nothing with your life despite having access to everything. But that doesn't mean that you get to ruin the world for the rest of us. So just shut up about it. It's incredible that there are so many people that have bought into this worldview despite all the evidence to the contrary that white people are going around lynching black people hunting them down in the street. Nobody is fucking doing that. Nobody wants to do that. And that's why you have to constantly make up these stories or blow them out of proportion. And all of these stories about racism, the vast majority of them turn out to be nothing because the demand for racism does not meet the actual supply. Normal, well-adjusted people would have seen that rope and either not even thought twice about it or maybe they would have asked somebody about it, be like, hey, what's with that rope? Or they would have gone up to it themselves and investigated it, see whether or not it had a purpose. And not call the fucking FBI and hold a press conference. I mean, uh, what the hell is going on here? This is insane. I remember, this was a few years ago, I was having people over for a little dinner party at my place. And uh, Johnny the Jew and his lovely wife, who I adore... We're both in attendance. And she is very Jewish, by the way. She's more Jewish than Johnny the Jew. She is a, a Jew from Israel. That's where they met. And at one point during the night, she noticed a book on my bookshelf that had a swastika on it. Okay? And she didn't know me well at the time. I don't remember... I can't remember exactly when this was in our relationship. We had met a few times. I don't think that they had gotten married yet. I don't think so, but I, you know, it, it was a while ago. And she kind of admittedly, uncomfortably pointed out to, to Johnny the Jew and me that, um, <laughs> what's going on with that swastika on your bookshelf? Like, is this guy a Nazi? And, and I mean, we cleared it up right away and we had a laugh about it. He was like, oh no, don't, don't worry. He's not a Nazi. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot all about that book. You see, I didn't even remember that it was on my bookshelf. I was a history major in college, and I read a lot of books. And I actually took a class on the history of Germany, and Nazi Germany was a part of that in college. And one of the main reading materials for that course was a book titled The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. 
okay? And the book had a swastika on the binding of it, okay? And when I was putting books up on my bookshelf, I just threw it up there with all the other, you know, history books I've read. Didn't even think about it. And so I explained that to her, and, and you know, it was no big deal. The party went on. We had a great night. We all laughed about it. It, it turned out to be pretty funny. We still laugh about it to this day. The point is, she didn't feel the need to storm out or throw a fit and call a press conference and announce to the world that I'm this white supremacist Nazi because she saw a swastika on my bookshelf. Why? Because she's not a lunatic. That's why. And she's not obsessed with finding something to lecture other people about or something that can make her a victim. She doesn't feel the need to jump to the worst possible conclusion. She gave me the benefit of the doubt. That, hey, what's up with that? That's what normal people do. Normal, well-adjusted people. I mean, I'm sorry, Bubba, but you're not oppressed, okay? You're not a victim. You may suck at NASCAR. I mean, I have no idea. That's just my initial gut instinct or my suspicion is that you're like the Colin Kaepernick of NASCAR. You suck, so you take on this racism cause to get attention, but you're not oppressed. Not by any stretch of the imagination. You're a rich professional athlete. I guess they call themselves athletes, even though they just drive around in circles. But I looked up your net worth, Bubba. It's estimated at $3.5 million. Okay? You're not oppressed. You're in the top 1% of the country. And if this is such a racist country, as you all claim, why was the immediate reaction to this story, the immediate reaction to your claim, Basically, complete and utter solidarity and outrage. Everybody was falling over themselves to express their outrage over this and their support for you. They threw you like a parade. All of these gullible idiots took to social media to denounce it, you know, virtue signal to denounce how terrible this was, television, social media, print media. They all expressed their sympathy for you, their outrage at this racist America and their support for you and the plight of your people. <laughs> I mean, how, how do you guys square that circle? If we're such this, we're this racist country. Everybody hates black people. What, why does everybody get outraged at this possible story? Somebody explain that to me. I mean, if we're all white supremacists, why wouldn't we just be like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, we hung that noose. Go fuck yourself. I don't know. It just it, the the more this narrative comes crumbling down, the harder they push it, and it's just it, it, it's something where where people's worldviews get challenged. They dig in, they dig in even harder than before. I mean, how much I've talked about this on on previous episodes, but how much less racist are we today than we were eighty years ago? But how much more like uh, feigned outrage? And hysteria over racism is there. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. No matter how much progress we make, it's like the, the problem's getting worse, even though it's getting better. And then the media is just so goddamn dishonest and reckless. They want us killing each other. There is just no other explanation for this. The idea that we would come off of the biggest like race riots in 70 years, right after those die down, someone decides to put a noose in a black guy's garage. Not very likely. I I'm sorry. It's just like slim to none are the odds of that if you're not a lunatic. It, it just isn't very likely. 
because America isn't as racist as you want it to be. But they'll just run with it with no investigation, no nothing. Everybody just hops on this story and runs with it. See if they can start up another race war, get people killed, get more businesses destroyed, set America back another 50 years or so. I mean, they are evil. They really are the enemy of the people. And then the most pathetic thing about all of this is that this guy wouldn't drop it after he got the explanation and there was photographic evidence that that noose rope thing was there long before he arrived, months, half a year before he was there. He wouldn't admit that he got it wrong and that he overreacted. For like three days, he continued to go on television and tell this bullshit story play the world's tiniest violin, get sucked off by all of these talking heads, the Chris Cuomo and that guy from The Daily Show. It's just despicable and pathetic. It, it's all about attention and his ego. This guy thinks he's some hero now because he overcame this grave injustice. I mean, get over yourself. Get over it. It was a rope. They used it to pull down a garage door. Okay? You drive cars around in a circle. You're not Martin Luther King. And then, of course, it's like once this this story, like all the others, gets proven to be completely wrong, it's not like everyone's overcome with relief in the media or the left wing, right? And No, no, of course not. When these stories turn out to be wrong and it's like, oops, we got this 100% wrong one more time, you know that they're angry about it. They're upset that this story didn't pan out the way they wanted it to, that their narrative once again comes crumbling down. You know that every time a supposedly racist episode blows up in their face, they die a little inside. It's killing them that this isn't all that it was cracked up to be. It's absolutely killing them. They can't stand it. And they really should be ashamed of themselves. They're doing the entire country, maybe even the world, a disservice. I mean, if we were all to just shut off our our televisions, tune out all of the corporate press, all of this hysteria online, turn off Twitter, turn off all this stuff and just go out into the world and just interact with everybody. Is this the, does this world where you go out, you're, you're walking around, you're, you're living your daily life. Does it resemble in any way what the media is portraying on TV or on Twitter or whatever? Not in my experience. Not in my experience. It seems like everywhere I go, people are getting along just fine. Just fine until they, they blow something like this up and, and get everybody riled up. Anyway, I, I'm just so sick of all this victim bullshit. God, it's worth $3.5 million, professional athlete, like the only black guy in NASCAR. Okay, you're, you're a victim now. I mean, come on. Come on. Why does everybody want to be a victim? What is that? Where does it come from? And why is it lionized? Why? Who decided that being a victim was this great thing? It's not. And you're not a victim. Don't let people tell you that you're a victim. It's, it, it's one of the most destructive things you could do to a person. Due to their psyche. Is constantly declare them a victim. And this is what the government loves to do. They love to treat you as a victim, convince you that you're a victim because then, oh, well, who's going to help you out? Well, Joe Biden will. Joe Biden's going to take care of you. The government, just look to them. Your wise overlords in Washington. Give them some more of your money. 
give them some more of your freedoms, and they'll make sure that you're not treated as a victim anymore. Okay, yeah, how's that working out for everybody? Anyway, I uh, didn't plan on ranting about that for almost 40 minutes, but um, uh, those are my thoughts on the whole uh, victimhood racism thing going on in America. I do want to get into some of this um, coronavirus stuff and some more economic news. But before I do that, let me pay a couple bills and thank our other sponsor for today's show, which is Lorenzotti Coffee, premium Italian coffee brought to you by two liberty-minded entrepreneurs who saw a problem in America's coffee market and decided to solve it. They will bring that Italian cup of coffee that we're all craving right to your door if you go to lorenzotti.coffee and use promo code FICTION at checkout. You'll get 10% off your order. That's Lorenzotti, L O R. E is in Edward, N is in Nancy, Z is in Zebra, O-T-T-I dot coffee, promo code FICTION. And if you have a small business or something like that, they can supply you with professional equipment to brew up the delicious cup of coffee and create that independent coffee house feel that everybody loves these days. You know, forget the mass produced, the giant corporations, the Starbucks of the world, the Dunkin' Donuts. We got a Dunkin' Donuts on every corner here in Chicago. They don't know how to brew up a cup of coffee. The place is filthy. It's got no character. It's got no soul. Our buddies at Lorenzotti.coffee can help give you that small independent coffee house feel or just give you the delicious premium Italian beans that you need to brew yourself up a delicious cup of coffee. So go to Lorenzotti.coffee. Make sure you use promo code FICTION so they know I sent you and you'll get 10% off your order. Free shipping if you buy at least two tins. You won't regret it. Okay. Well, let's get back into the swing of things here. You know, every morning I, I wake up and I I check a, f- a few different news sites, some of the sites that aggregate news stories, Zero Hedge, Drudge. I, I peruse the internet a little bit. And if you look at, I mean, if you look at all of these headlines, you'd think it was the end of the world again. Virus cases hit all-time high. New peak in Florida. Re-lockdown in Texas. The the virus is making this comeback. Here comes the second wave that we've all been fearing, right? Florida, uh, Texas, they're closing their bars. Uh, San Francisco is delaying their reopening. The U.S. is on track for their third straight record jump. Arizona governor warns hospitals near surge capacity as emergency plans activated. California COVID cases climbed 2.5%. Trump cancels weekend trip to New Jersey. The EU is moving toward blocking U.S. travelers. Florida follows Texas, closes bar. Arizona sees daily, weekly rises in new cases. Houston declares top-level emergency. Florida reports another record jump. U.S. sees second straight record jump in daily new cases. India cases top 500,000 for another record jump. Almost all U.S. states seeing the biggest jump in cases are located in the South and the West. Here we go, right? Now, not only is this starting to spark fears among the population, but it's also got the markets spooked, apparently. I mean, I get the markets being scared of, of another lockdown affecting the economy, wrecking this idea of a V recovery. But are people real? I, I can't believe that people are buying this again. I mean, for the life of me, I, I don't understand why. I mean, this was expected, right? We locked down everything for a couple of months, for two months. Nobody left their house. 
Okay. Yes, of course, we're going to see an increase in cases once things open back up. I mean, yeah, who didn't see that coming? But what do all these numbers mean? I mean, it's really hard to get an honest account of what all of these things mean. A, a record jump. Oh, okay, what does that mean? From what to what? Hospitals are near capacity. Okay, where are they normally? Are they always near capacity or, I don't know, are they half full all the time? Three quarters? 80%? What is near capacity? How are they even defining that? I mean, some of these articles, if you dig into it, they say they're at like 85% capacity. Where are they normally? They don't tell you that. And let's, for the sake of argument, say that these numbers really are as dire as they're making them seem, and we're going to have to uh, shut things down again, okay, which I completely disagree with. But are we going to learn our lessons from the first wave and maybe take a more nuanced approach to this? Because one of the reasons I think we're having this supposed second wave is because the first wave was blown way out of proportion. You made people who didn't need to stay home, stay home for way too long. And now everyone is over this, and they're taking less precautions than ever, less precautions than they otherwise might have, because it, this whole thing turned out to be bullshit. And maybe that's got something to do with this. Are we, we going to lock everything down again, make young people stay in, even though it, it's a disease that has a, a much more dire impact on the elderly? and people with underlying conditions, it doesn't seem like we're going to go the nuanced route. I mean, the government has, when has the federal government been nuanced? It just had, and there's a lot of places coming out with mandatory masks everywhere. Joe Biden just did an interview where he said he was going to, if he's elected, he's going to force everyone to wear a mask. And he's somehow got the executive authority to do this as president. Um, he does not. But that doesn't mean that he's not going to do it anyway. Use his, uh, his executive authority, the power of the government, to force you to wear a mask everywhere. They certainly do not have a nuanced bone in their body, so I wouldn't hold your breath about that. But I mean, look, these numbers, as far as I'm concerned, are complete bullshit. Uh, d don't forget the amount of fear-mongering and horseshit models that they came up with just a few months ago. I mean, I know that we all have the attention span of like a, a fruit fly these days in this 24-hour news cycle. It, it seems like years ago that, that we started this whole lockdown thing, even though it was just three months ago. But don't forget the lies that they told you to shut down everything and destroy our lives. Don't forget how wrong they were about everything. Every, all their models, all their projections, even their advice from the very beginning was wrong. And anybody who speaks out to the contrary, well, they must be silenced. They must be taken off of YouTube. I mean, it turns out that, you know, we're probably better off outdoors than cooped up inside with a bunch of people because that's how the disease spread. That's how the virus spreads, right? I mean, yeah, sure, if you live alone, if you're like me, you live alone, yeah, okay, you could stay inside. But if you got like, you know, six or seven people in your house, you're probably better off being outside, away from people. And yet they kept us all cooped up. But I, I'm just amazed at the gall that they have to try to do this again. Just a couple of months after um, they got everything so incredibly wrong. Here they go again. 
bombarding us with headlines, doomsday scenarios, doomsday projections. All of these numbers are ridiculous. They're all based off of models, and every one of these models has been wrong. All of this testing data, it's practically worthless, okay? They, there are two, from what I understand, there are two different types of tests, right? You have the, the PCR test and the uh, serological test, okay? Now, the PCR test shows NRA fragments from the virus, okay? All that test does is show its presence in, like, your nasal cavity, your nasal system. That's it. It doesn't it doesn't show that you're infected. It just shows that some of the virus is there. The serological tests, it's a test for antibodies, okay? And what that means if that comes back positive is that you may have had you may have been infected at some point. You're not necessarily infected or contagious now. It could have been from months ago and you just have developed these antibodies to it. So neither of these tests Neither one of them tells you that you are infected right now or that you, you may need to be hospitalized or that you're in danger of dying or anything like that or transmitting the disease to others. No, that's not what these tests show. And they're also not accounting for the delay in testing, which is why some of these results are just so ridiculous. Oh, 4,000 new cases today. Uh, yeah, okay, but those tests were done like two weeks ago, and you get, you're getting the results today and reporting them today as if that's a new case today, even though you took the test two weeks ago and the results are just coming in. This is how dishonest they are. A positive test from two weeks ago gets reported as a positive test today when they get the results in. This is a conscious, deliberate effort to deceive you, to manipulate and control you. I mean, I don't trust any of these numbers or these so-called experts as far as I can throw them. There are a ton of incentives for them to inflate these numbers and blow this out of proportion. I mean, for one thing, it's tremendously profitable for very influential people and companies like all the FANG stocks, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, especially Amazon. I mean, small businesses, they force them to shut down, right? They're non-essential. So all of these little mom and pop stores, they don't get to operate. Amazon gets a virtual monopoly over everything. Oh, look how that worked out. So, I mean, right off the bat, assume anything that you read in the Washington Post is complete bullshit. Just absolute bullshit because Bezos owns that. And he owns Amazon. And he's got a tremendous amount of money on the line by keeping everybody locked down and using Amazon to deliver things. There is also a, a tremendous incentive for our government to perpetuate this crisis because it hurts Donald Trump and his chances of getting reelected. And just like the global warming issue, if you want to get those lucrative government grants for your research, your models are going to need to produce the results that the government wants to see so that they can perpetuate their narrative. That's how this works. And that's one of the many reasons why we don't want government involved in the sciences or having an opinion on the sciences or a stance or a stake or anything, ever. Because they are going to manipulate the data and they are going to manufacture the results that they want to see in order to further their agenda. It's as anti-science as you can get. 
despite their claims to the contrary, which is, it's always so funny to me when you see all of these like government bootlickers, these statists, uh, calling every oh you're you're a science denier you're a climate science denier uh, it's like no no yeah you're you're the one denying science you end up with science servicing the government instead of searching for the truth and on top of that they're always wrong government is always wrong about everything if you if you need more uh, evidence of that take a look at the food pyramid okay they've got that thing like literally the entire thing is upside down for, you know, we have a problem with obesity and diabetes. Look at the food pyramid. Look at what the government's been telling you to eat all of these years. Do not let them fool you again. We were bamboozled once a few months ago, and they think that we've forgotten about that. This is an irrational fear of something that we've already proven months ago. Wasn't as bad as they claimed. And even if it was, like, what are we going to do? We're going to lock down everything forever? How's that going to work? I mean, like I've, I've said on previous episodes, there's more to life than just not dying. Living a life of fear has tremendous downside. They, they try to act like it doesn't. Like if you just uh, wrap yourself in bubble wrap and sit in your house, that there's no downside to that. There's a huge downside to that. When we step back and we take a look at our lives, you know, somewhere hopefully way down the line for a lot of us, what are, you, what are you going to think? What are you going to see? Are you going to see a coward who was afraid to leave his house because of the coronavirus that didn't get to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish, didn't get to do all the things you want to do because you were afraid? Are you going to have regrets? I don't know about you, but I don't want to live that way. I don't want to look back on my life and regret not doing all sorts of things because I was scared into not doing them by my government, no less. I mean, they're going to bleed this thing dry. If they can make it all the way to November, all the better for them. I don't think they will. I think chances are even the most blue-pilled lemmings on the face of the earth will catch on to this little scam by then. But then in the wake of all this coronavirus nonsense will be the economic collapse, bringing up the rear. That's going to be the next crisis that they can jump to. Of course, they're keeping it in their back pocket right now, which is the smart thing to do because you keep that until right before the election. And then you can also beat Donald Trump over the head with that as well. And I hate to break it to you, ladies and gentlemen, but it's here. It's already here. I've got some quarterly numbers to report to you to show you the early effects of all of this shutdown stuff that we just haven't felt it yet. You see, it's like the virus in that there's an incubation period. The economy is infected. We just aren't feeling sick yet. There's a lag there, but the symptoms are starting to materialize. And we've got uh, surveys coming uh, from the Philly Fed Chicago Booth and Stanford Universities of businesses reporting their sales and in their employment numbers. And their sales are down about 40%. But somehow, employment and investment in those businesses hasn't declined nearly as much. They're still hovering you know, between 80 and 90%. They haven't seen nearly as much of a drop-off. Why? 
Well, because the government and the Federal Reserve have created trillions of dollars, i.e. inflation, they pumped it into the economy to give businesses money to pay people not to work, to give investors money to gamble with in the stock market. Hell, they've even started gambling in the markets for us. All right, The Fed's buying uh, mortgage-backed securities. They're buying bonds. They're buying corporate debt, junk bonds. And now think back to the last couple of episodes because, as you know, I don't like to do news in a vacuum here where we talked about the effect of central bank money creation on the overall economy and that problem of wealth inequality. And now think about how much longer we can go before employment and investment begin to catch up to the sales being down 40 to 60%, especially given the fact that the government's going to continue to further um, hamstring businesses with all sorts of coronavirus mandates. Oh, you know, only takeout and delivery or only patio seating and 50% capacity and uh, maybe we better shut things down for a few more weeks. Continuous lockdowns, rolling lockdowns. You know, maybe some of these companies have uh, enough sales to justify like 10 employees, but they're paying 20 employees right now because of these government programs, these stimulus programs that's giving them money to pay the extra workforce. But that can't go on forever. If, if it does, they'll destroy the dollar and exacerbate the problem of wealth inequality, right? If they take it away and businesses have to adjust to the economy before them, if you think unemployment is bad now at, let's see, we just got the um, initial jobless claims. We saw 1.48 million more Americans filed for unemployment benefits for the first time, which brings the 14-week total to 47.25 million, dramatically more than in any other period of American history. Now, if you think that's bad, wait till they take away the, the government checks going out to pay people not to work. I mean, look out. <laughs> You're looking at like 60 million then. Maybe even more than that. And sure, they could extend the unemployment benefits, but then again, that's just the government paying people not to work. So I will see problem with scenario one. <laughs> you know, the same, same issue. What we need to do is just have them stop. Just stop intervening. Stop wasting precious resources paying people not to work. Eliminate all the red tape and barriers to uh, employment entry eliminate the minimum wage, and allow people to go back to work producing things. That would be the best thing in the long term for the American people. But what that's going to mean is a tremendous amount of pain for the most vulnerable people in our society, at least initially. The problem is that either way, those people are going to be fucked, just totally fucked. The poor, the low-skilled workers, those with no savings, that are living paycheck to paycheck, working part-time, working several part-time jobs, they're always going to be the ones getting hurt the most, no matter what we do, no matter which route we take. But we're out of options here as a country. We've delayed the inevitable too long. We've kicked the can down the road too far. There are no more pain-free choices available. We can rip the Band-Aid off, 
take the pain, swallow the bitter tasting medicine, and eventually get better, or we can do more of what's making us sick in the first place and eventually die. I'll leave it up to you which route you think we should take. And I'm going to wrap there on a high note, guys. (laughs) Sorry to uh, have a kind of a depressing episode on a Friday afternoon. Try not to let it affect your weekend too badly. Go out and have some fun. Live your life with no regrets. Be responsible. And if you're afraid of the coronavirus, if if you believe this narrative being peddled to you once again, then go ahead and stay home. Put your mask on. Live in your little bubble. Live your life of fear. But don't force everybody else to do that. Let let everybody else go live their lives. Live and let live. How about that? All right? And uh, don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at Pedal Fiction. And join our private Facebook group if you want to get into the uh, Fiction Peddler's inner circle. A big shout-out to Justin Campbell. He's, he's helping me out with things. He's the admin for the, the private Facebook group, and he's going to help me uh, handle some of the social media stuff, get the YouTube channel up, up and running. So uh, I'm really happy that he's on board. He's volunteered to help me out with things because it was just becoming too much for me. I need to focus my, uh, my time on the things I'm good at, and I realize that I suck at those things, so I'm going to farm those out to him. And if you wanted to become a supporting listener of the show, you can do that by going to peddlingfictionpodcast.com. There, there's a bunch of different options there that you can set up uh, payment uh, donations that that I can use to help hopefully grow the show and increase our reach. And if you can do all that for me, I will be back next Tuesday with a brand new episode for you. Until then, just remember to keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace.